Our gospel lesson comes to us from Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 and 16 through 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. You know, I am fascinated with how human beings interact with other human beings. I'm interested in why we feel certain ways about other people. Why do we say the things that we say? Why do we do the things that we do? I know I'm not unique in this fascination, and I know that it is not a new one. People have been studying anthropology and sociology and all these different ways of understanding just how we behave and how we interact. In fact, the Bible discusses many of these things. Our scriptures are time and time again concerned with how we interact with one another. Throughout the Bible, there are all sorts of stories and rules about how the Israelites are supposed to interact with other Israelites. And there are other stories and rules about how they're supposed to interact with non-Israelites. Who can they marry and why? Who can they eat with and who can they not? In the New Testament, we have many of these same interesting interactions. I mean, Jesus describes to us that we are supposed to love our enemies, which is a strange way to interact. And Paul tells us we're supposed to live peaceably with everyone. Based on 
news reports as of late. I'm not sure how well we as a species are doing at living peaceably with everyone. And in our very text this evening, Jesus is shedding light on one of the most universal forms of human interaction. And he says about this to anyone who's listening and to us today, stop it. Don't do that. Not anymore. This is Jesus's instructions on spiritual disciplines. And he begins this section not by giving specific information about how long your prayers have to be. If your prayer isn't two minutes long, it doesn't count. (laughs) He doesn't begin by saying, when you give money, when you give alms, that's what alms are, when you give to the church, when you give, it has to be a certain amount. It has to be in this denomination. Instead, He gives us instructions about the manner in which we practice these things. He begins by saying, beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your father in heaven. If you are wondering how to improve your spiritual disciplines during this Lenten season, how can I be better at these things? The first thing that Jesus wants you to know is to not make a big show of it. Your spiritual disciplines are not about showing how great you are. But then he gets very specific. He says, when you do give money, don't sound a trumpet like the hypocrites. Instead, do it so that your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand is doing. He says, the hypocrites, like the ones in the synagogues and in the streets, they they want to be praised by others. So they sound the trumpet that goes before them. We often imagine this as if like there's a rich person in a front line with the Excelsior band there in front of them, trumpeting their way to the synagogue with a money box hanging out right behind the tuba player. But there's also the thought that the plates and the bowls in the synagogue and in the temple were each made of a very noisy metal. And so every time you would drop a gold or a silver coin in there, it would would be really loud and noticeable. So a rich person could come in and dump in their gold and silver and everyone would hear this loud clanking and it would alert everybody to just how much money somebody was putting in there which might be why in Mark, when the widow offers her two small copper coins, Jesus simply says that she put them in compared to the hypocrites who threw them into the treasury. When you give to the church or to anyone else, don't be like the clankers. Don't be the ones who have to have your name in lights, but be so humble that your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand is doing. If you want the recognition of your name in print for everybody in the world to see your great wealth, then you can do that. But know that that reward is very fleeting in comparison to what God wants to offer. Jesus goes on to offer the same instruction about prayer, saying, and whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand up and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. 
This one's a little bit less cut and dry than getting praise for giving, although I do think it is in part just as simple to say, if you are praying so that other people will offer you praise for your eloquence and your intelligence, then you're doing it wrong. That should not be the goal of prayer for everybody to see just how well-versed you are in big sounding words. But I do believe in corporate prayer. I believe in public prayer. I believe these are good things. Every week when Kathy writes these beautiful prayers that we say amen to at the end, that becomes our prayer as well. And so I don't think the only place you can pray is in a dark closed door room. But I do think if it is your temptation to pray so that others will see just how holy you are, then whatever praise you receive from their affirmation will be the limit. And it will be fleeting in comparison to what God wants to offer. And then Jesus mentions what today is the most pertinent spiritual discipline for us as we begin our Lenten journey. He says, this is how you should fast. Whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. If you need to tell somebody you're fasting, you are doing it wrong. If you are intentionally making yourself look rough so somebody will notice how hungry you are. If this Lent, you have to post a a selfie with a sad face and a caption that says, I miss chocolate, or I miss Netflix, or I miss wine. Well, then whatever sympathetic comments go on your post, that will be the extent of the reward you receive for your sacrifice. Instead, when you fast, take a shower, brush your hair, and make it a discipline that you share with God and a few others who help hold you accountable. All of these instructions from Jesus are some of the most practical words in the Gospels. You know, Jesus often doesn't speak in real practical language. Sometimes he's answering questions with other questions, and sometimes he's speaking in ways that are not very plain. But here, we have very specific breakdown, step-by-step instructions for spiritual disciplines. Sure, they may be difficult to do at first, but at least we have a roadmap to help us know we're going in the right direction. We can be encouraged by these specific instructions from Jesus. That is, until we ask, why is Jesus offering these instructions? Why is Jesus telling us not to practice our piety to be seen by others? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What is so important about practicing these things this way? We often talk about the fact we should do spiritual disciplines. And we always talk about the how. Not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Going into a closed door room and putting oil on your head. But ask yourself, why does Jesus warn us about the way that we do them? I think it's because Jesus knows when we practice our piety for others to see, we are still living in fear of death. Jesus knows 
we are all afraid to die. Think about it. Jesus, at the very end of all these instructions, says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consume and where thieves do not break in and steal. He says, the reason you are storing up treasures here on earth is because you are afraid of what comes after. The reason you do the things that you do is to make your life better off in the here and now. And the thing that I find most fascinating about Jesus's answers to our fear of death is his insight into our most basic human interaction. In this section, what what he is describing when he's saying, do not store up for yourself treasures, he isn't telling us we shouldn't build bigger barns to put more stuff in, these tangible treasures. That's a later warning. He doesn't say that the temporal rewards that we receive for our false piety are monetary, and that's why they are fleeting. We're not even practicing our spiritual disciplines wrongly so that other people will bring us gifts. Jesus sees the real reason why we do the things that we do. Jesus knows the treasure we are all seeking. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. That's what we're all doing, right? That's what we want. We want to be seen by others. So many of our interactions with other people are based on them paying attention to what we do. We want others to notice us. Even if you tell me you don't care what other people think about you, you will never convince me you don't care if other people think about you. We all want someone to see our good works and tell us that we are good. Someone to notice the size of our donation and tell us thank you. We all want somebody to see our sacrifice and tell us we are now worthy of honor. We all crave some level of attention because we are afraid to die. And even more, we are afraid that when we do, our lives will have not mattered. Maybe you don't have that fear. But so far, I have not met someone who has been able to rid themselves of it entirely. As Ben Haggerty says, you die twice. Once when they bury you in the grave and the second time is the last time that somebody mentions your name. And the idea of that terrifies us. We're all so afraid of dying and we are afraid that we won't be remembered. We don't want to have lived lives without meaning. And so what do we do? We store up treasures for ourselves to make us feel important. That's why we treasure people's praises at our offerings. That is why we treasure someone's recognition of our intelligence and our eloquence. That is why we treasure people's appreciation of our sacrifices. They make us feel great. They make us feel like we matter. And those feelings are like drugs. And if left to our own devices, we would spend the rest of our lives chasing them, doing anything 
just to get somebody to notice. Making sure that we are getting the credit that we believe we deserve out of our fear of death. We store up these treasures and where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But here's the thing, even after all of that, even after all that storing up, you will still die. I will die. And all those things that we've stored up for ourselves, these things that we are so proud of, our treasures, will fade. Both the tangible and the intangible. But the good news of the gospel, the good news we take into this season of Lent, is that there will be things that remain. The good news is that our deaths are not the end because of Jesus' defeat of death entirely. And the things in this life that will remain are the things not done for our own glory, but for the glory of Christ. The work that we do for the kingdom, the good work we do for God, those things will live on forever. You know, one day, every knee is going to bow, and it's not going to be to you or me about how great we are, about all the things that we've done. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that is what will remain. His glory will never fade, and he is the one who offers us the greatest recognition we could ever receive, the greatest affirmation of the things that we do. I know this is more of one of those heavier sermons, but that's what Ash Wednesday is. It's a heaviness. Only about three times a year do we do services that are meant to feel weighty and to remind us of things that we often try to avoid, like our own mortality. That one day we will not walk this earth as it is. This service is supposed to be a time where we repent. And repentance is not a light thing. Asking for forgiveness is not always easy. And more often than not, it's not very quick. This service is supposed to be a time for us to come together and to realize that we came from dust and One day, we will return there. But as we do that reflection, as we come together recognizing our own mortality, we do so recognizing too that the death is not the end. It's not the end of us and it's not the end of this world. Today is the first day in a six-week journey to the cross where we celebrate that Christ's death means that we have life everlasting and that our death is but a stepping stone. It's a comma in a sentence. It's a pause between the here and the hereafter. So as you come to receive the ashes on your forehead, do so with a seriousness of one who knows they are going to die and with the hope of one who knows that they're going to live 
forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.